Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Ryan Hanley. Ryan is VP of Marketing at TrustedChoice.com, the largest referral generation platform in the world for independent insurance. He's also a keynote speaker, creator of the Content Warfare podcast, and author of the Amazon bestselling book, Content Warfare. His goal is to help brands find their audience, tell their story, and win the battle for attention online. After hearing his name from a few different people, I did some research on him and finally decided to reach out and ask if he would be willing to share his secrets. Ryan, thank you for joining us, my friend. I very much appreciate your time. How are you doing? Daryl, it is uh, my pleasure to be here, and, uh, and I'm doing fantastic. Uh, and, and you've already given me, so no one will know this, but in the green room, you've already given me like four or five really great pieces of information. So I've gotten all the value out of this conversation already. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that's, I mean, that's the name of the game. It's all about content, right? Content is king. Is, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Uh, so it's, so that's a really funny way to start this because uh, that is highly debated in the content marketing industry, right? So the, I think the common, I think content was king um, for, for most of the history of the content marketing industry. I think what's changing because content has become so easy to produce and the availability to tools to create and distribute content have become uh, more inexpensive and easy to use. You know, you can upload a 20-minute video to YouTube in a matter of minutes. That would take an entire day uh, just a few years ago. Mm. So I think what's happened is, yes, content is king, but really it's content with context is king. So content that has a purpose that is directed at a very specific audience, um, which has actual goals that you are tracking. So content with context is king, um, not simply just the production of content in and of itself. I love that. Wait, wait, wait. I like, ooh, we got to back this up. So you just gave us a great little three-part checklist. So anytime you're producing content, your content has to have a purpose. It has to have a specific audience. I, I like tingled inside when you said that because <laughs> that's like that's such a key thing. People just put it out there, right? And that'll work. But um, and the third one was goals, right? You have to have. Can you speak to that? Like, what do you mean? My content has to have a goal. So I think a lot of times we put content out there, and this is uh, particularly the case for small businesses or people who are just getting into the, the content marketing arena to try to grow their business, uh, whether that's online or offline. And it, it has to do with uh, their activity, right? They, they, they read the, whoever their favorite you know, guru rockstar ninja is, and they say, you should be on YouTube. And okay, well, that's, that's great. I can create video. I feel comfortable in front of a camera. Okay. So uh, I have this audience that I want to serve. I have a purpose. I want to grow my business. I'm going to put videos out there. And you video, 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 and you're going in it. And at the end, you're saying, well, nothing's really happening, or I, I seem to have flatlined. Well, the reason that you flatlined is because, yes, 
you you had a purpose, which was to grow your business, and you had a specific audience that you were serving. But what you weren't do, or what you had for, what you forgot to do, was actually go back and track what was happening and and adjust your content according to what your audience was telling you was most important to them. So um, uh, I actually just had this conversation on my own show with Gideon Shawick, who is uh, a video marketing guy. And he was saying that uh, when he first got started, uh, he, he had this enormous win. He had a JV partner who was a friend that had some huge list, and he put this product out, and it went bonanza. And he's like, I got this figured out, right? Like, I, I, I you know, I got the, I got the, you know? And, um, and then all of a sudden, he came back, and he said, geez, I, I, also, I, I kept putting out the same stuff, and nothing was happening. And what he realized is, in the, in the lesson in this, is that he wasn't going back and allowing his by tracking and having goals, those things allow you to say, okay, for some reason when I talk about this topic, the content goes crazy, but these other three topics, nothing happens. And the really smart content marketers, the people who ascend to the next level that that get their business to continue to grow through the dips, are the ones that pull out those pieces of information because they're tracking and then create more around that topic, feeding their audience what they actually want. You know, that's really interesting that you've mentioned that. And I love, I love the approach and the angle. It, it's very, very familiar to my background with direct response where it's all about tracking what's working, what's not working and making sure you have an, you have an ROI in what you're doing, especially with marketing and business, right? Cause you're spending yeah. money to produce content. You're spending money to advertise your business. You're spending money to operate the business. So you have to make sure everything you're doing is as highly leveraged as it can be. This is a cornerstone of the direct response. So I'm glad that you said direct response because this concept is literally a cornerstone of the direct response business. And I just think for a lot of people, um, it hasn't it hasn't moved all the way over into the culture of content marketing. There's still a little bit of that purist mentality in the content marketing industry where people think simply creating is enough and uh, where direct response people are like, creating doesn't mean anything if I'm not getting an ROI on the back end. Mm. And uh, I think the success in, success in content marketing needs to take more lessons from the direct response industry. I Yeah, and um, it's fine. It's just a different – I mean you have different metrics for everything, different KPI if it's social media and what depending on what you're – how you're – using the channel as well because I think that that's the problem. I think people are using – like most people don't realize the tools that they're using even when they're on the internet. Like they – like Google is a phenomenal tool. You can read people's minds. You can go in this city – I can go to Google Trend and I can go where in the world are people most afraid of getting shot or looking for – like where is that most – you know what I mean? That, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the highest level of consciousness. Where, where are people looking for that or where is that being talked about the most? And you can just zone in on that and that's huge if you were going to do uh like a seminar tour or something like that and you've got certain keywords that you stay you know that your business is built on you can actually plan it around where the people really are and so i think what you're touching on is a lot of people they're just getting used to the tools like wordpress is an easy blogging tool so they use wordpress but just because you know how to use wordpress really well doesn't mean you know how to actually sell content to people um 100 percent. what would you say are some of like how does your audience tell you what is most important to them? What are the KPIs for content marketing? So again, this I think this goes back. So let, let's take the full the full three bullets, right? So having a purpose, defining your audience, and, and tracking. Um, in order to understand what your KPIs are, you have to start at the beginning. So what is the purpose ultimately uh, for for engaging in content marketing? Is it 
uh, say, to sell a book? Or is it to sell a course? Or is it just um, you're in the early stages and you're just looking to, to grow, to actually grow an audience. Um, you're not actually looking to sell to them. Or say you're moving into a new space like YouTube and, and you, you know, you're going from, say, straight text-based to video and in that you don't you know so this is bringing in why you would want to build an audience without selling first you may not want to move into video and have your first three videos all be sales oriented right you want to you're starting to build an audience so understanding what that purpose is first uh and then you know you're getting into figuring out who the actual audience is that you're looking to serve then you can build kpi so taking youtube and just building an audience as an example so in that case you may be trying to get people simply to subscribe to your channel so your KPI is creating content that people are interested in, that they're sharing, that, that maybe they're commenting on. But ultimately, all those things are for not if people are not subscribing to your channel. That, that may be a KPI. Mm. Uh, if we're selling a book, maybe you're saying, um, I know that if somebody um, subscribes to my email list and is there for a month, they're more likely to to buy my book because they've spent some time with me. Right. So now my goal for content marketing is I need to get as many people as I can on my email list so they hit my four-week drip campaign, which finishes with uh, my book offer. And, and now I'm starting to get consistent every day. I'm getting three, four, five, six. My, my book sales are increasing as I get people to go through this email marketing drip campaign. So uh, understanding what that purpose is in the audience that you're serving you can then build the proper KPIs into uh, your goal tracking. Now, I know that there's there's different content. So there'd be content that you give exactly like you talked about. You have the unknown universe, the people that don't know you and you don't know them. Um, so you have content that you maybe you're pushing out you know, into places you've never been. Then you've got the people who know you, but you don't really know who they are. They, you know, they, maybe they frequent your website, but you don't have them. Like, you know, there's no way you can just reach out and touch them. You can't send them a message on social media or an email, but they know who you are. Then you have the people that you can contact. So like you're saying with YouTube, they've either subscribed or they've given you an email address or something. And then you've got the people who subscribe and they've bought stuff, right? So these different tiers, do you think that their content has different purposes for each group like how would you do you know what i mean like do you produce content for every layer or or how would you best approach the different segments? yeah so that's a really good question i think there's there's a lot in there so i'm going to try to give you a uh, uh, top level my, my best top level answer and then we can dive into a little bit so for my own business um i've found that uh, and actually i'm gonna this is uh, actually a failing in where i am today but i found that uh when I create short two to three minute videos, that the, my uh, core audience, the people who I can reach out and touch to who have done all the things, they've subscribed to the list, they bought the book, they subscribed to the podcast, they, they love it. They, they, they love these short two to three minute videos. Um, but people who don't know me as well, and I get this through, I figured this out through content, uh, through comments and through just looking at engagement numbers and, and stuff like that. Um, people who don't know me as well, they don't resonate with those videos as well. And I, I don't know if it's because I have a, a strange self-deprecating humor or um, whatever it is, there's something about it that that core audience loves the video. So when I do the videos, I am purposefully uh, using almost inside baseball type references and, and being a little more exaggerated version of myself because that, that 
content is specifically geared for people who've been following me for five years, right? I, I, I get that that's that what that's for. I found to the contrary, my the articles that I write, I get much, many more people who are finding me for the very first time through text-based articles. So when I'm writing the, the articles, I write them, they're much more geared towards helping people solve a, a very specific problem in terminology that isn't, um, that isn't so my personality, right? Like I want people to hit the page, get a feel for the fact that I have an expertise in this particular uh, type of, uh, uh, this particular industry and that I can help them with XYZ, whatever the post is about, and then provide them opportunities to go farther down uh, the rabbit hole. And as they go farther down that rabbit hole to some of the more richer media, like a YouTube, uh, uh, just video content in general, or, um, or the podcast, I give them more and more of my personality and, and kind of the, the, the outside stuff. So uh, that's kind of how I've built uh, my business. That doesn't mean, but I think that's from doing this for six, seven years and, and having kind of seen the way the analytics work as far as you can look at return visitors for articles that have video as maybe one way of seeing, you know, if someone's coming back to this, this, that's, this is a loose metric, but it is one that you could use is if you're getting on your video uh, posts, you're getting tons of, you know, you have a much higher uh, return visitor uh, percentage, then you know that it's more people who are already engaged with your content versus maybe a text-based article. That's a lot of first time visitors and, you know, you can kind of drill into this stuff, but I wouldn't say there's any like one particular metric that just says this type of content is for this person and this type of content is for this person. Right. Now, but what you just said there is huge because Drayton Bird, who's a, a, a copywriting legend, he had a, a, a saying that I loved. He said, the purpose of business is to locate prospects, to turn them into customers and then make your customers your friends. And so I think that what you just described, I don't, it was just a beautiful, it was just a beautiful description of almost the, the process. You said that, you know, you found that you've found that your video stuff tends to be your fans, right? Like your followers, they love your short videos that you do on your YouTube channel. But when new people meet you, usually it's through purpose-based text articles results-based stuff that's focused on solving a specific problem. And then, you know, after they've come to you a couple of times because you keep solving these problems for them, they go down the rabbit hole through your other media and then they discover your podcasts and your videos and stuff. And so that's how this relationship's unfolding. And that's, is that, is that accurate? Did that's a hundred percent. That, that's what it is, is that, uh, uh, I think, I think what it, so what I've found is personally, and we all have to test this in different ways, right? Is that when I try to interject too much of my personality into the text-based stuff, it may not translate as well. So um, a, a joke that I could probably pull off on the podcast or in a video or something that's meant to be kind of off color or off key and, and just interject a little personality, for some reason in the podcast or, or on video, that comes through and it doesn't in the text-based articles. And that's completely fine. And I think by using those medias for different purposes, um, you're able to create almost a natural path of, so I, I'm, I only want to interact with the people who want to interact with me. I think that it's very easy to open yourself up to everyone, right? Like just blast me with questions and I'm happy to have the engagement. Right. And what I really want is I want you to have 
read a bunch of articles, listened to a few episodes of the podcast, watch a couple videos, read my ebook. And now if you send me a question, I know that that question is going to be something that is going to be educated. They're going to have thought about it. And when I give them a response, which I, everyone who emails me, I try my best to, to respond to them. Um, you know, they, I know, or have a good feeling that they will use it to improve their business. The the worst part is when you feel like you're helping someone and they're doing nothing with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. I've, I even went through a phase of trying to help businesses that I would go and frequent. And it's just – it's a really frustrating thing to see people struggle and to offer help. And because it's free, they don't they – don't, They have to want it. Yeah, That's they a don't problem. Value it there, so. You know, they have to want it. Um, so I'll tell you one little thing that I started doing is, uh, you know, like a lot of the power podcasters, I guess – have this, they all like their name and ask, right? So like ask Pat, ask Gary V. And I, and I think that those shows are amazing. Ask James Altucher. They're, they're great shows. Um, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to start an ask Hanley show, but people send you questions and I can tell if they're serious about getting an answer or not, because I'll say, uh, do you mind if I answer this question on the podcast? And, you know, I, I always tell them like, I'll anonymize it if you want. So that, you know, you don't feel like I'm calling you out. And if they're, if they say no, then I kind of know that they're just blasting me with a question because they want like free consulting that they're never going to use. But if they say yes, then sometimes I won't even, you know, in their own, and they're still, but they're still uncomfortable, then I won't use it. But I kind of use that as like the barometer to feel out, is this person serious about this question? And like, this is going to help them move their business or you know, some people just try to, I don't know why they, they send out these emails with questions and they really have no intention of ever using the information. So mm. I don't know. I've used that kind of as a barometer. Right. It also right. provides great content uh, for your show because you get to actually answer someone's uh, question that's on their mind. But um, that's how I've started to weed out the, the people who are really need help and want it and the people who don't. And I love the other thing is I love how you're repurposing content because that's huge, at least for me in my career, as far as being able to produce a large volume of content, quality content, and maintain consistency through it because that's a big thing too. If you're trying to produce a lot of content and you've got a couple of writers or other people helping you with it, you might be – you might be coming across as schizophrenic almost in your yeah. in your marketing because you've got all these different personalities at play. But if you can take something like this, audio is great. Video is the best because with video, you can take screenshots. Now you've got images. You pull the audio. Now you've got your audio, right? You get that transcribed. You get that put into articles, ebooks, checklists, whatever. You have the whole thing put together. You've got a course. Like there's, It's repurposing content is – I love how you just articulated that. I think that's a huge thing. And I, I want to go back to these three things when you're creating content because I think it's really important that we kind of go down and, and mention the key highlights of them. So with the purpose you just talked about, I loved it, that different content has different purposes for different people and that you've just discovered that over doing this for six, seven years, right? That certain things are just – it's a better purpose for this uh, video to, to nurture the relationship with my fans than for me to push that if you know if you're trying to get new people. So I guess that means if you're looking for lead generation, you do more text-based stuff, more guest articles, more sharing of articles on social media and that than you would video the video. Is that how would you you would use it? Yeah. So so I've found that. Um, uh, I, okay. So look, I'll I'll back into the answer to this question. I have found that if I put a specific call to action out on my podcast, I get the highest conversion. So if I were on my show and I said, 
uh, guys, I just got, uh, I got XYZ coming out. And, uh, if you're interested, you know, go to this URL, which obviously then I can track and, you know, I get some idea of how much of the podcast audience is coming through mm-hmm. that, um, they are very invested in what I'm doing and, and oftentimes are very interested in, in taking it to the next level. So that's kind of like my conversion point. Mm-hmm. Um, text drives the most text-based articles by far, uh, and kind of SEO around those text-based articles by far drives the most, uh, email subscriptions. I then have, um, and we're getting very tactical. I don't know if that's what you're interested in, but, um, I then use, uh, an introductory, uh, six email drip campaign to, to introduce people to what I do. So I've taken, um, five of my, most, you know, my most frequented articles, not just in terms of traffic, but in terms of engagement, people actually sharing and commenting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is over the, probably the last, the farthest I go back is maybe like two years. Um, but I take people through those articles. Mm -hmm. And at the end of which I say, you know, if you want to take this even further, here is the link to my book on Amazon. So, um, so I'm taking people this introduction after that, uh, sixth one, then, um, they don't they don't get any more automated emails. And what I see is by by driving them through the people who make it to the sixth email, mm-hmm. I actually have a, a pretty decent like almost over ten percent conversion rate on the people that hit that. Now there are ways that I think I can get that higher, and it should be higher, but still Your conversion rate to what ten percent of people that make it to the sixth email? Buy, no, that actually buy the book. Got so it. People ah. who hit, yeah, so people who make it to the sixth email buy the book. So I've actually seen, I started this about three months. I launched a book in February. It is August. So I launched this, this, uh, I put the book on this sequence in June and I've steadily watched book sales go up. So then what I do is people who click the book link, um, I then introduce them to my podcast to try to take them deeper in and say, you know, here's how you take it to the next level, listen to the show and you can interact and ask questions. So what I'm trying to do is give people a self-selection process. Um, so I'm using text, uh, video to a certain extent, but like I said, that's more my core audience as it is, to get them to the, the podcast. Because I know once people are listening to the show, if someone's willing to give you 25, 35, 45 minutes of their day of you actually in their head, they believe in you as a value creator. They enjoy what you're doing and, um, and, and want more. And that's really the relationship, I think, as creators that we're looking for is someone who's willing to give you 35 to 45 minutes of their time every week to hear what you have to say and to learn from you. I love that. I love that. And it is – and and that's <laughs> – the people listening to this, you need to go back and listen to that again and take your notes and write that down because literally Ryan is just – it, like giving it all away. There's this is this is how it is done, and I appreciate that you brought out that it was tactical because there's the principles, the strategies, and the tactics, right? And something that I heard Dan Kennedy say back in the day, which has proven true for me as far as my experience has been, is the principles. Was it the tactics frequently change? The uh, strategies, the principles sometimes change, and the strategies never change. Or wait, no, I yeah. got that backwards. Yeah, backwards. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. It's the tactics frequently change. The the strategies sometimes change, but the principles never change. And yeah. I think what we're talking about is some of the, the 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 tactical stuff, but at the same time, not really, because you've the thing I love that about what you just said is how it's behavior based. And I don't even know yeah. if you caught it when you said that, 
because you're saying that only the people that click in the email I then introduce in the podcast. Well, why would you do that? Well, because you're 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 it's almost that face to face one on one personal attention, right? That we hear about that you're supposed to be able to automate and replicate and do in your business and your marketing. And so many people don't get that. They just have a robotic machine that barks at people, right? And it so I wanted to highlight that part of it because not only are you feeding them more content as they're asking for it, but you're also avoiding you know, like that sleazy salesman-esque thing that people want to avoid, right? The thing that's going to get you uh, complaints, spam complaints. It's going to have. It's also going to hurt your deliverability rate. This is a this is a separate topic, but with email deliverability, a lot of the internet service providers uh, are getting smart. So when you email someone, it's a form of communication, and when you're emailing ten thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, half a million emails. They can tell whether it's a broadcast or it's a, you know if it's going to one to one, and obviously you give priority to the person that's got the better relationship with the people that they're talking to, and so if they never reply, if they never click, that'd be like sitting in a room with someone who's sitting at a chair beside you and they never even acknowledge your existence, but you keep talking to them. Yeah, and so that's a huge thing because one of the things that's uh, to to give a principle to the tactical stuff you just talked about with your six email sequence and feeding them, you know, this content before the next one and what the ultimate goal is, is you can only really have at least in direct response, and I think this applies to the content marketing. You really only have two ways to communicate with with people in your content, and that's to make them more loyal or to make them more profitable. And so you've developed a great method and system for making them more loyal, and now you introduced an offer after they've been nurtured, right, after you've built the relationship. I mean, this is this is the equivalent of being at a bar and just standing outside the girl's bathroom and pulling your dick out when, right, yeah. when they come. Like, literally, like, right? Like, you wouldn't just say, hey, how are you? Want to get married? Like, you don't. It's too much too fast. And um, so I think that that's why you're getting – because 10% conversion rate is great. And now what you might even want to do is experiment with running ads to that funnel, um, yeah. because, and maybe, I don't know what your thoughts and opinions are. I love content marketing and I love the whole inbound marketing kind of philosophy, but I think there, it needs to come with a caveat. And that is outbound marketing really has its own place because there's no other way to grow and scale a business as quickly. Like you can rely on word of mouth and, and by all means, if you have a different opinion, please share it. Um, but if you rely on word of mouth or inbound marketing in that sense, it, you can't scale it. Like you can't say, I want to generate 500 leads today and just go out and get them because you're kind of waiting for things to grow. And so I think that's where outbound marketing, because that's one of the, all my successes have come from paid media channels where we get a campaign that is profitable and generates more money than it costs us for the advertising. And now you can literally just start walking out and finding large pockets of people. And literally overnight you can start like, you know, you can increase, we were generating, I remember one campaign we were generating, I think it was like 300 leads a month, and then we got it dialed into where we generated 300 leads in a week, and we used the profit from that, and then generated more leads the next week, and it was like exponential growth that way. Now, but I, th I think all the same principles apply from what we've talked about with content marketing versus just general like direct response, like making offers. Would how do you how does that how does that land on you, Ryan? Yeah, I, I'm with you. So, uh, well, let me let me let me say this. For a long time, I was a purist, right? It's all about SEO and content, and you got to get your content out there, and you don't need to advertise if you do content right. 
And I, and I actually believe for a period of time that that probably wasn't too far off. Mm -hmm. But I think today we have matured to a point where, and the market has become saturated to a point where, I'm not going to go so far as to say you absolutely have to advertise. But I will say that what you just said is, if you're interested in really growing your business and you're, telling, you're saying, I want, to, I want to level up, the only way to level up in any kind of reasonable amount of time is you pay for something. You either need to go out and pay for a ton of content that you're then going to use to guest post and, and put on your site and, and blah, 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 and, and try to go that method, which is going to have a longer burn but, but may work for you, or you're going to have to pay for ads. And I can tell you that Facebook ads targeted properly with the right message to the right landing page convert incredibly well. Same thing with PPC, uh, Google AdWords. If you, if you do Google AdWords right, and I am not a Google AdWords guru. When I want Google AdWords, I pay somebody to do them for me. Um, Stack exchange. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the dials change, and it's all tweaking. And it's like – so for me, Google AdWords is like – you ever see those 1960s movies where like – they have the entire wall is filled with knobs and dials and it performs like one tiny little function. <laughs> yeah. and there's like seven people tweaking him. Yeah. That's Google AdWords yeah, for me Google to, <laughs> to be done right. You know that you can go in there and waste some money, but if you really want it done right, you need someone to know that. So um, I pay people to do that for me. Facebook ads. Um, I uh, am a, a John Loomer disciple and, and uh, feel like I have at least a, enough of a handle and have been able to produce profitable campaigns. So um, when you want to level up, you have to pay for it in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, you can just keep cranking along and your business will slowly grow. But, but that level up move, it, it meant, unless you go, unless you can have a viral hit that somehow is then sustainable, which is like, that's like the unicorn that then also has a horn coming out its ass, right? Like, that's <laughs> never going to happen. Um, you know, you, 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 you really have to pay for it. So, uh, I have come around in the last three years to that and have found it to be 100% true. Uh, so I, I trained a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, trained with Hicks and Gracie at his school in Tokyo. And he has a whole philosophy where he talks about, like, at least in fighting and in jiu-jitsu, he says defense, offense, defense. <clears throat> and I think it could apply the same way with, like, inbound, outbound, inbound type marketing, where you want to get some content out there so you can learn the lessons like you've described about what content works best with new relationships and almost have that funnel developed. And then outbound is where you start taking your best pieces. And you, you know, like when a band gets a chance to put a song on the radio, they don't take their second best song and leave their best song on the CD for people to discover, you know, at some point in yes. time, like it's because it's never going to see the light of day. They take their best song off the CD and that's the one they broadcast nationwide. So I think that there's a marriage between the two. And again, I think it comes back to when we talked about the purpose. It's either to be more loyal or more profitable. And you just have to understand that I guess it's a relationship and that you have to add value to people's lives. And and I just love the, the behavior-based thing. So I just think that's an important topic for people to recognize in today's day and age things are so transparent you kind of need you need both sides right because you can't yeah. just be all sales like hard like that that day has come and gone but at the end of the day you it's like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take you, you don't like nobody accepts the offers you don't make and so it really is kind of finding that that balance now what about one thing I just want to add to that, and I apologize for interrupting you, is that oh, um, I think it's, it's a, an important concept. We're talking about principles. There's an important principle to keep in mind, and that is the idea that content marketing is, is, is really just a set of filters, right? Um, it's a filter for lead generation. Unless, 
Your whole goal is to be a philanthropic artist where you just deliver your art to the world and whatever benefits come back, you're willing to reap them. Um, if you're trying to run a business, all content marketing is a series of filters. You're just putting, you're putting content out in the world and allowing people to self-select into your funnel. And then through your content, you're saying, okay, this person isn't right for me and this person isn't right and this person is, so we're going to let them go to the next thing. And, and by being very honest and real and authentic in your content and delivering value, but at the same time letting people know why you're giving them that value, it's because um, you know, I'm very clear that like, hey, I'm, I, I speak and I write. Those are the two ways I wake, make money on my side hustle. And then I have a full-time business where I do all the same things that we're talking about, but specifically for the insurance industry. And I'm very clear in both those avenues what my ultimate goal is. It's to, it's to grow my business. But I'm willing to give you all this value if you're willing to give me a shot at selling you. And I think that uh, when we think about content marketing just as a series of filters, then it completely makes sense. When we're thinking about it as like we want to just catch all net, it, it, to me, it has never been about being a net. It's a series of filters. I want you to say, Daryl, read my post. If you don't, if you get to the end of it and you're like, this guy's full of crap, you are not my client. I don't want you to describe, subscribe to my email list. You're never going to want to buy from me. So um, that's, I, I, it's just a good, solid thing to keep in your mind. And, and maybe it doesn't work for everybody, but uh, it has really helped me in, in how I've crafted uh, different processes and different concepts and uh, is around the idea that that really your content is just filtering out the right clients for your business. No, well said. I agree wholeheartedly. So now let's can we talk a bit about the audience part? Because when you're saying so, who are the people that you're looking for? Do you have a way of doing the research? Everyone knows that you have to do your market research, but like you said, if you're so targeted and if you're looking for a particular person, how do you build your avatar and how do you design or plan your your you know content creation strategy around it? So it's taken me, so on the, on the insurance side of my business, it's very easy. In, independent insurance agents who are looking to grow their business online. Um, it, I, can, I have ways of drilling. I have segments that I can drill down even deeper. But at, at, the, at the high level, it's you have to be looking to grow, and you have to be looking to grow online, or you're not going to be interested in what I'm talking about. Hmm. And the reason that, you know, and everyone will say, well, yeah, I'd love to grow. No, not that you would like to grow that you are willing to invest in growth, right? So you have to be willing to invest in growth. So the next stage is, so I always say grow, get people's attention. And then I always come back with my marketing on the second step is, no, invest in growth. Because invest in growth means people, time, resources, attention. If you're not willing to give those things to me, if you're really just saying like, oh, I would like to be online, I don't want anyone who would just like to be online. I'm looking for the independent insurance agents who are willing to invest in the growth of their business by taking it online. Those are the people that I can help. So that one's very easy. On the other side, I have struggled at times with my side hustle work, the kind of content warfare side of my business, because uh, I, I haven't really figured, I, I would say even to today, I'm not like dialed into exactly who I like to help or who I, I can tell you who I'm good at helping, um, but I haven't, I don't have a clear vision on what I want it to be. So today it's more like, uh, anyone who considers themselves um, a creator in the business arena. So I don't, I, I, I have a hard time with like artists, right? Like I just don't understand the business model. It's, it's not that I don't like art or whatever. I just don't understand it. I'm looking for the guy who's sitting in the marketing department of some business saying to himself, I need to increase the number of leads I'm providing to my sales team and I'm struggling with how to do it. Uh, but I like to create content. I get it. 
Uh, and that's the type of person that, that, I, that I've been dialed into lately. But it's taken me a really long time to get there. Um, that's more a me thing than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, you know, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Did that answer your question at all? I don't even remember um, what the original well, question was. It, it was good. It was a good analogy by example of kind okay. of how you've come to it, if that makes sense. So, Sorry, I dropped into my own little world for a second, and I forgot that I was on a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's fine, because that's how we all learn. I mean, that's and that's even the power of the podcast. Right now, we're trying to, like, we're dancing around this problem, and, and everyone who's listening to this right now, their brains are working, and they're forming their own opinions and thoughts, and it's it's almost like learning. It's learning through doing, or, you know what I mean? Like, because as yeah, entrepreneurs, we live such... I, we live such isolated lives because if you have staff and employees, the relationship, you're, you know, you're above them. Like you can't, you can't deny that. Like they're the employee, you're the employer. There's like, do you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no middle ground on that. So you can't talk to your employees like you do. And a lot of your family and friends can't relate. So this is no, this is good. And it's fine because I think it's a really important point is figuring out who your buyer is and what problem that you can help them solve problems are markets not not demographics not profiles in that sense it's the problem and that's something that's really important i think for people to stay attuned to because that's why the newspaper industry got decimated they forgot the problem that they were solving and other people started solving that problem faster and they just clung to they just like uh, uh, they held on to the tactics yeah. They were just delivering wads of paper to people's houses. You know, like they, you know what I mean? It was like it was just a machine rolling. They forgot what they were actually doing for people. So you, I think it's important to always focus on what it is you're actually trying to sell. And honestly, I mean, this is the whole, to I guess kind of speak to this and anyone who's got like not sure who their audience is and trying to figure it out, the tools that you have available today are phenomenal. We already talked about Google being able to use keywords to find people's like thoughts. This is, this is a really powerful thing, I think, for anyone listening to this trying to find their audience it's called the second time the car doesn't start exercise and so the whole concept is the first time you get in your car to go somewhere and you turn the keys in the ignition or you push your button if you have a push start um, and the car doesn't start you're like what what's what's going on and you kind of jiggle things and then you try it again and if the car starts up you just you keep going right oh whatever that you know that was weird then the next time you get in your car and has a problem again that's when you start going "Uh uh-oh how serious is this or how serious is this going to get? Yeah. Should I talk to someone? Like, that's when those thoughts start happening. And that's when you start looking for a solution to the problem you're having. And if you can figure out what it is you offer and who will benefit from it the most, you know, and, and sometimes people, you can't, like, nobody knew they wanted an iPod. No one could describe that. Right. Uh, I think even Henry Ford said this, like you you can't ask people what they want and then just give it to them. But he said, if you ask everyone what they wanted, he'd have mechanical horses. Right. We wouldn't have cars. So there is a bit of guesswork in it and discovery. But at least in the beginning, you really want to focus on that time. Second time the car doesn't start and who those people are. And that's from talking to your prospects and clients and just trying to go out and sell. And I want to bring that in. So if you're trying to I think one of the best ways to launch anything is to like the lean startup, which was used to call what they used to call bootstrapping, which is a philosophy and idea that's been around forever and ever and ever. And it's always a, it's always a bell ringer when someone pulls it out of the closet and presents it. And it's the concept of selling the stuff before you actually build a business around it. Um, and so I want to leave that as a tip for anyone. And honestly, even if you have an existing business right now, 
be diving into who's buying, why they're buying, and almost the same process Ryan and I talked about that with his content, following their purchase path. So like Ryan, for you, you may or may not already be like hip to this, but just for the sake of the listeners and people who may not be aware of it, like if you're starting to lead out with your book, what's really important then is to try and figure out what people buy after the book. Because now you can start to develop like a funnel, a, a standardized process that leads people from the front and keeping track of how much money you're making up from them, you know, over the first kind of six month period would probably be the best. And that way, when it comes to actually having to spend money and pay for your, for pushing your content out there, you're able to know which channels are your, you can afford to spend money on and how much, how fast you make your money back. So to now, sorry, I kind of just kind of took the took the show there i guess to go it's on your that. show man you can do whatever yeah, you no, want no no it's fine you're rocking I mean, and rolling <laughs> well i think it's just an important point because i i just love i really think if people just take your two like your three points three point checklist and keep in mind that all communication is to make their audience more loyable loyal or profitable to them loyable <laughs> That's actually a great, great new word, loyable. Loyable, that's right. <laughs> Profitable <Yeah>. and loyal. <laughs> but that's it. You want a loyable list, right? That's yeah. what you really want. You want a loyable list. That's what we're Trademark. all after. Um, people we have great relationships with who adore us and you know and want to give us money to do the things that we find fascinating. I think you know, the, 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 the thing that I always come back to is that uh, I think oftentimes we struggle – like we're really good at helping other people do the things that we know we should do, like take the time to figure out what the purpose of our business is, who we think that target market will is, and then create uh, content that we're trying to test that target market and actually having trackable goals to figure out if that target market is the person who we actually help with the purpose of our, of our work in the first place. Right? Like we could, I can tell everyone to do that. I, I myself even, struggle at times to sit down, slow down, take a deep breath and actually write these things out. And to a certain extent, it's become a little intuitive because I've done it so many times and helped so many people with this. But at the same time, there is something to just like, take the deep breath, you know, come back, take the time to plan the thing out. Like I know everyone wants to rush right into the content generation side and start doing all the things and playing with all the, the, the pretty tools. But uh, the planning is actually, and I, and I don't mean pl- plan to death or plan to perfection. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm hundred percent on board on your whole concept of launch, you know, and iterate, launch and iterate, launch and iterate. But, um, dude, you gotta know who you're trying to serve with what you're doing and how you can actually track that goal before you do this stuff. Or otherwise you're never going to understand what the iteration is. So, um, that's, that's just my one thing I'd like to leave everybody with is, uh, take the deep breath. Creating content is amazing, but if it doesn't have a purpose, then there's absolutely no reason to do it. That's kind of the thing. Unless it's just cathartic, which is cool. I'm down with that. Like if creating a video just makes you feel better as a person, God bless you. But if you're trying to build a business around it, every piece of content needs to have a purpose. I agree with that. It needs to have a purpose. And I just love what you said about the planning stage because planning is huge. Voltaire, what a, a great quote I love. Voltaire said, a plan, planning is everything, but a plan means nothing. Yeah. And it's so, because you, you have to, you have to know where you're going. Otherwise you don't know, right? Otherwise you'll, you'll end up anywhere. Yeah. Or, you know, you'll get sucked into someone else's plan. So what are some of the ways that you test content? Because you mentioned that about testing your content. Like, 
Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so um, it depends on, again, what the purpose is. But let's say uh, the purpose of the content is ultimately to drive email subscribers. Very simple KPI. How many people subscribe? But then you got to look at the ancillary things as well. So a lot of times what I'll do is is layer – I'll layer it. I'll have, like, primary purpose, email subscriptions, or primary purpose, getting people to – uh, getting people over to my Amazon page and getting them to to buy the book, um, whatever that primary purpose is, there. I think it's important to build in a second layer of goals or or just I won't use KPIs, but just indicators of what's happening. Because maybe I get a bunch of email subscribers, but no one felt the need to share it. Well, then. Does that mean it really wasn't that interesting and they were just clicking on it because I had a good offer for the email list? Um, you know, it, it, there's, I don't want to say there's so much to it because that makes it sound confusing and overwhelming. It just, I think if you go in with your eyes open, understanding that every, this is a, a huge behavioral psychology experiment that you are, that you're jumping into when you decide to do content marketing. Mm. Um, you know, that's the scary part for me is that. There is no – the reason tactics always change is because people become accustomed to the way certain things are done in certain industries. And if you want to be different, you then have to change the tactics or maybe this tactic gets worn out and you have to do this other thing. And then six months later, you can bring the original one back. And mm-hmm. uh, we got to go in with our eyes open and, and uh, understanding the different layers of, of our goals. And uh, you know, we're kind of in, in the 201 level stuff, I guess you'd say, but – um, no, I love it because I was I actually wanted to ask you what's the difference between purpose and goals because some people might be confused that they're the same thing. So I loved it when you said that the purpose of your content might be to drive email subscriptions, but the goal was to have something that's you know very shareable because that's kind of your brand image or that you know that's all, you know yeah. that's a KPI that you that you think is important. Yeah. Right? So I would say in the case of so. I would say if we were actually going to talk about that example, what I'd say the purpose of creating the content in the first place is is, is maybe the, is the much bigger thing. It's the I ultimately want people to buy my book, right? Let's just say that. Through how I found uh, the, best, the best way to get people to buy my book is to get them to go through my six-week email drip campaign. So the goal of the content is to get people on the email list purpose of of what i do in my side hustle is i want more people to buy my book because i know that when people buy my book the they're more likely to talk about the work and the ideas and the quotes and take pictures of it and there's all very good things for the side hustle side of my business um if i get them to read the book so that's the purpose the and and ultimately i want to help them and i think that the book does that for for people so you know it's not like i'm just doing this in self-interest there's right so um we assume that everyone's putting out the best content they can to the best of their ability right yes so so that's kind of so the goal of the of the particular piece of content is uh usually something more surface oriented like get them on the email list your purpose is the larger mission so if your purpose is to, um, you know, like, you know, the, the, the Tom shoes example, right? Like the purpose of his work is to get shoes on kids feet in Africa, mm-hmm. but he has a lot of goals that get that purpose done. So some of them are just getting people to buy shoes. Some of them are getting the people to donate money. Some of his goals are getting people to subscribe to his own email list because he knows then he can market to them and ultimately get them to buy a pair of his shoes and getting 
celebrities to wear his shoes and getting endorsements and doing advertising. So there's all these different goals that ultimately serve your higher purpose, whatever that purpose is. So now I have a question about this. So you've got your goals and obviously that means you want people to take action. So that means that in your content, you're trying to get people to do things you can measure, share, comment, like, um, subscribe, buy, right? Yep. Do you have any rules of thumb for what percent should be content, what percent should be pitch? I know in the old school days, you know, direct mail and that, sometimes you'd hear of pieces that were 60-40 or 70-30 or, you know, and then, but now online, I've heard some people say, really, you need to be 90% content, 10% pitch. And some people are saying, no, no, 95-5. Some people say, you always have to have a pitch and everything. You never do stuff without a pitch. Okay, what do you, like, what would you say about all that? Again, this is an idea that I have morphed on over the last few years. I was probably more the 90-10, uh, pitch 10% of the time a few years ago. Uh, and and, and I, I am self-professed recovering uh, purist content marketer, right? Like I had all these like pie-in-the-sky visions of what, what went on. And uh, as I've uh, intentionally tried to grow my business, uh, all, all these ideas have changed. So in that process, um, I can tell you that I think that you should pitch as often as you are comfortable pitching um, unless that is zero, and then it needs to be more than zero. And, and I'll tell you why I think that is. is because when you pitch and you are uncomfortable, it sounds awful and it doesn't convert. Like People can tell when you're like uncomfortably pitching. But that being said, um, people don't know what you want them to do unless you tell them. So... If you want people to subscribe, yeah. you have to put in your blog post, blog post, blog post, please subscribe to my newsletter list for X. And that's a terrible call to action, but that's, you know, you have to put something in there that says, this is what I want you to do. Or you get three quarters of the way through your article and you're like, if you want to dive deeper on this topic, here's my book, or here's my newsletter, or here's this great video that I did one time, or whatever you want your call to action to be, people, you can't assume that people know what your goals are, right? right? They've just come because they saw an interesting headline and it feels like whatever your article is about can either help them or entertain them or inspire them. That's why they're there. If you want them to do something else, you have to tell them to do that other thing or it's never going to happen. And uh, if, you're if you're trying to grow a business, that probably makes sense to get them to buy something. What I love about that is because that's the thing everyone shies away from. And so you're giving people permission to only do what they feel comfortable with and stay inside their comfort zone. But at the same time, I want to back that up and emphasize, you should probably be asking more, way more than you are right now. And that's because so many of us undervalue ourselves or what we do, or, you know, we feel self-conscious and we're inside our own heads. Cause I, one, I made a list a while ago and I wanted to share it because all this stuff comes to, Action. Obviously, action develops character and creates results, not adjectives. So I have a list. What brings in the money? Putting offers in front of prospects, expanding product slash service offerings, segmenting lists into RFM quadrants for the above, collecting from past due clients, sales presentations and meetings, upselling existing clients, prospecting or lead generation, and automating the process. So all of those are you're making a pitch of some sort, putting offers in front of prospects. That's that's asking a prospect to make a purchase, expanding product service offerings. That's that's a that's a product development thing, I guess. So that's not the same, but you're going to find that. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a call. You're going to find that as you talk to your customers and clients, and right and 
you're not really going to get feedback about what people are willing to spend money on unless you talk to them about spending money on stuff. If you shy away from that topic all the time, it's never going to come up. They're going to go, ah, no, I don't really think I want to buy that from you. And then you can't ask them, well, why not? And they'll say, well, it doesn't solve this problem for me, right? Which I think is a really, really important thing. Then obviously collecting from uh, past due clients, that's asking for the money. That's a pitch. It's like, hey, where's that, that 20 bucks you got me, right? Um, so I think that's a really good point. Um, now, what about people that are afraid of getting negative feedback off of that? Do you know what I mean? People that are afraid of making a pitch and, and, you know, getting a bad review online. How would you, like, someone Google bombs you, how would you handle it? Uh, I mean, I think there are one or two ways to take it. Either your product isn't that good and you need to learn from it, right? So that's one reason why people leave bad reviews. The other reason is that they're a jerk. So either you need to learn from it and say, okay, the, the things that this person is saying are actually valid and I need to improve my product, or you need to say to yourself, they're a jerk, not my target market, and move on to the next thing. I mean, I got a one-star review on my book the other day, and someone said, basically, like, I don't like this book because it is not a step-by-step how-to on everything I should do for content marketing. And I have never once marketed the book as a step-by-step how-to onto, into, into content marketing. It is the core principles of finding your audience, telling your story, and, and, and attracting that attention to the things that we've talked about today. And there are some tactics in it, but it's purposefully not tactics for the thing that you just said because tactics are constantly changing. I wanted this audience to, to kind of take a step back and understand what those core principles were. And that's how I have always marketed the book. So the fact that uh, this woman was upset that the book wasn't what I have never marketed it as, I can't get mad about that, right? I mean, she didn't like it for some reason, and that's perfectly fine. That's her way. I think a one-star review is pretty harsh, considering, you know, she, like, listens to the podcast and all this other stuff. But, um, you know, whatever. I think you just got to swallow that. I mean, that's... The cost of doing business is that people are going to occasionally hate on you. I mean, that's just the cost of doing business. Yeah, I love uh, – There's again, I don't know who said this, but they said friends come and go, but enemies accumulate. And yeah. so I think, you know, and it's – in the, the especially if you're in some, any sort of software business, you know, often you hear that – I remember – Software business, or even I remember I used to say as a kid, it's part of why I don't drink, is when I was a kid, when I first turned 19, I used to work as a bouncer at nightclubs. And it was like everyone would be there. We'd have a club of 500 people, 1,000 people, whatever. But you spend your night dealing with the people who are having the worst night possible, right? Because you're running the show. So that's all you see. And so I think that's an important thing to leave people with is that to really seek out – and that's almost why it's really important to talk to, to to do outreach with your customers, whether it's to pitch them something or just ask them how they're doing is because you almost have to solicit that positive feedback sometimes because right? people aren't as often – what is it? People are five more likely to tell people about a business they didn't enjoy than one that they did enjoy, right? So um, – Anyways, Ryan, I want to appreciate your time because we've been on here for, for a while and you've given a lot of great content, um, which is very fitting as, as a content guy. I think this has been such a value-packed call. I really think everyone should listen to this at least a couple of times because there's so much in here from the behavior-based marketing to how to approach your marketing content, like whether it's to, to, it's an outbound uh, marketing approach or inbound and you're putting content out there, selecting your audience, um, philosophies and approaches to it and literally the whole process from beginning to end where Ryan even gave us like like his 
what he's discovered has worked best for developing a relationship with new people. And that's the name of the game. It's all about getting new people and then keeping them, right? So, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. How do people reach out to you? How do they, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way of reaching out? You mentioned that you, re- you try to reply to a lot of the emails you get. Um, yeah. So um, if you like social media, I am Ryan Hanley underscore C-O-M. So Ryan Hanley underscore com, which is like the worst Twitter handle ever. But every other like regular version of Ryan Hanley has already been taken, which drives me crazy. Um, uh, Ryan, you can go to my website, RyanHanley.com. Ryan at RyanHanley.com is my email. And uh, if you do want the book, you can go to uh, Amazon and just search Content Warfare and you'll find it in Kindle and paperback. Uh, there's hardcover too, but that's too expensive. Don't buy that version. Um, and uh, and yeah, and I'm always open to questions. It's been my absolute pleasure, man. It's been a great chat, and uh, and I wish uh, your show nothing but the best, and same to all your listeners. Thank you, Ryan. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them, and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.